Hello and welcome to the Recon Ride, the race preview show from the Velo News Podcast. I'm Dane Cash. And I'm Cosmo Catalano. And we're back in action to take a deep dive into the marquee event of the cycling calendar. We're going to talk about the storylines, the route, and the contenders for the only race your non-cycling friends know about, the Tour de France. You're overlooking the Olympics. Uh, fair enough. Once every four years. Okay. The only <laughs> race on the yearly cycling calendar your non-cycling friends know about. Yeah. I mean, they've, uh, they know about it in ways that are not entirely positive. Uh, they've heard about this Chris Froome guy and some drugs and some things. Ah, man. But uh, apparently everything is okay. And actually, in, uh, in WADA's defense, uh, it seems like the, the data and the science is, is reasonable in Chris Froome's favor. WADA and the UCI just did the worst possible job of uh, explaining that and instead left everything to Sky, which makes Sky look, you know, like they have manipulated this process, which the threat of some lawsuits may have done, but the science isn't terrible. Uh, and I, I really wish that, you know, we'd gotten everything out at once uh, cleanly and clearly and, you know, people are going to people are going to hate regardless. But the people that that one tiny fraction of people who don't hate who read the numbers might have been a little more happy with the process had they done that. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I mean, it's, it's obviously, look, I mean, this is the story of the year that the case has been kind of the, the, the main thing the cycling media has been following all year. Uh, it's certainly true at Velo News. People want to know about it. Um, and unless you've been living under a rock, you do know about it. Uh, Fred Dreyer, Spencer Powell, and Andy Hood and I talked a lot about it on a separate podcast episode that uh, depending on when we release this one uh, may already be out or will be out the following day. So you should definitely listen to that to get the the 360 degree view of things uh, regarding the Froome case and and what all this stuff means. You know, at the same time though, in this show we kind of we want to give the other 175 ish uh, riders their due. We want to <laughs> give the the legendary race that is the Tour de France its due, and you know actually try to preview the main event of the year. You know, look, Chris Froome is racing now. We need to talk about what that means from a racing perspective. And spoiler alert, we'll talk more about this soon. But, you know, I personally would not be all that surprised if someone not named Chris Froome wins this thing. I think that's worth talking about. You should write an article about that, I think. I should write an article about that. (laughs) Um, You know, look, we've got Peter Sagan. We've got the sprinters. We've got all kinds of other storylines here that also deserve a lot of airtime. That's what we're here for, uh, to talk about those various things. Yeah, and there, the, these various things are of high quality. Uh, this is, uh, I mean, where do we even start? I guess we start with Peter Sagan, who was thrown out of the race in a terrible, terrible decision uh, during a sprint last year. Uh, not on his part, on the part of the race organizers. And I think, uh, you know, they sort of realized that in hindsight. Um, and this is a really great course for him. It's uh, he's, he's up for a record-tying green jersey against, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but Eric Zabel. That's right, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, who is, you know, one of the guys from this era that we all hope cycling can move past, but really it can't ever move past it. Uh, but I would, I personally would love to see Eric Zabel, not the, the greatest green jersey winner <laughs> of all time. Uh, they've put together a course, especially in the first week, that is really good for Sagan. Uh, it's going to be miserable for the GC guys. We can talk more about that later. But uh, we also have this Fernando Gaviria guy who the last time we saw him in action at a Grand Tour was just ripping people in half. He's so fast, really looking like he's going to be the next big sprinter. But 
you don't you don't get to to make that claim until you actually go to France and do it. Right. So moral of the story, there's lots to talk about here for the 2018 tour. It's it's not just Froome, although there's plenty to talk about with Froome too. Uh, let's start things off by dissecting this year's parkour, aka the route. So the 2018 Tour de France starts in Normoitier in western France. It's like kind of close to Nantes. It's far enough that I'm totally planning to catch a few Z's on my train ride here after a long flight from Colorado. Anyway, uh, a strange opening stretch of stages here. Not many climbs, but there are a few days that will have some serious GC implications. Yes. And, uh, you know, the, in, in the... In the in the Tour de France style, we start uh, not with a prologue, but with just some open stages for finishers and almost immediately fall onto this team time trial in stage three, uh, which is not going to be good for DC contenders who don't have, you know, a Team Sky or a, or a Michelton Scott behind them. Yeah, I mean, we you know how I feel about team time trials. I, I take every opportunity to to poo-poo team time trials in podcasts and, and articles as well. This one, I think, is going to be a great example of why I hate them. Because if you're a small team, if you're a small French team, for instance, without the resources or the time trial focus, this is just going to put you out of GC contention early. I mean, I guess on the on the bright side, it lets you go hunting KOM points. But if you're looking for yellow and you're not, as you mentioned, if you're not a Sky or BMC or Movistar, they have a nice team time trial usually. This is going to be a big day. A lot of guys are going to lose a ton of time. Afterwards, we get into some more kind of stages for the sprinters, but it's not a sprinter's first week. We have a lot of sort of classic-esque stages that are of Tour de France stage length, but with a lot of sharp kind of cat three, cat four climbs towards the end of the race, almost mini, mini Roubaix. And of course, the Mur de Breton offers some GC action. But in my favorite cliche, you can't win the Tour de France there. Mm. You might be able to lose it. Yes, I've heard that before. Uh, you know, a lot of guys lost time on the Mur de Bretagne last time they climbed up that thing. Either way, it'll be a fun stage. No matter what happens for, for the GC, it'll be a fun stage for those Ardennes kind of riders to kind of come out. The Dan Martins, the Valverdes, you know, that'd be good to watch. Also, it's it's sort of in Bernard Eno's neck of the woods, so I would be looking for him to make a little more camera time than normal, maybe push someone off the podium just for good measure. Mm, I wonder who. Uh, and if that doesn't rattle Froome, stage nine might rattle Froome. Yeah, this is, I mean, we've had we've had cobbled stages and cobbled sections and tour stages before, but this is, this is like basically Roubaix, except not 260 kilometers long. Uh, it's really burly, and as you may have noticed in our previous discussion, there hasn't been a lot to make separation between GC riders or really anybody. You know, I, the TT will put a few minutes in here and there, but things will get really broken up over the next few days. You could have complete chaos on this day, uh, and it's still this is nine stages. This is basically halfway through the race, and there hasn't been a major GC differentiating day. This is going to be nervous, miserable, white knuckle racing. I. I my heart goes out to the riders who have to contest it, but as a spectator, I could not be more excited about this. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one. Uh, enjoyed being at Roubaix earlier this year, and I'm going to enjoy a sort of return to a mini Roubaix for the Tour de France. Uh, this the the ninth stage is followed by a rest day, the first one finally, and then it's straight into the climbs. Uh, stages ten through twelve in the Alps, traversing some classic Tour de France climbs along the way. Stage 10 is going to be great. It's the first real mountain stage, and it also features the Colombier, uh, among a few other ascents. 
with an interesting descent to the finish. And that's sort of a, a theme, by the way, this tour, a lot of descents to the finish. Uh, stage 11, one of those kind of short firecracker stages, just 108K. It's got four climbs. Three of them are hard. And then stage 12, you got the Madeline, the Croix de Fer, Alpe d'Huez. I mean, these are all very well-known tour climbs. Great terrain, in my opinion, for any one of the many riders hoping to dethrone Froome to really, you know, write his name up in the history books on, on one of the classic climbs on en route to, you know, maybe actually taking the yellow jersey from the guy who keeps winning it. Or for the guy who or keeps winning the yellow jersey. Or maybe that guy to... will take advantage Just... of these. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, I don't want to. I don't want to make that the narrative, but it's true. After uh, <clears throat> a few days for the stage hunters, after that, uh, get back into the mountains pretty quickly. Stage sixteen dips into into Spain. Uh, I actually really like the fact that these stages, especially in the mountains, get international. Kind of showing you the fluidity of these boundaries and how the these hill areas really are sort of their own sub countries. Mm. They're, they're, they're shared culture across borders. Anyway, two hundred eight k pair of late cat one climbs and finishes once again. With a steep descent. Yeah, the other cool thing about crossing into other countries is it usually means that they're going over some serious mountain passes, so it's worth it. Shortly after that comes the much-hyped Stage 17. It's just 65 kilometers, but uh, two Cat 2s and a really hard or category climb to close things out. It's going to be a good one, I think. Grid start, too, right? Oh, that's right. They got this wacky, yeah. wacky thing that the ASO has come up with. I, I think it's a cool idea. I don't think... I don't think we're going to see the guys at the front of the grid go for it. For I, the I, I, um, I agree. But it's worth a now, shot. Why not? Le Mans start, I would be into that, where you uh, you run on foot mm. uh, to your bicycle, mm-hmm. get on your bicycle, and pedal away. I like that. Uh, I like that. And if if they kind of staged it with the slowest riders first instead of the, 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 the good riders first, I think you might actually see people going for these crazy things. It's, it's never happened before. I'm excited to see it, but I... I appreciate the way they're shaking up the race. I don't think it's going to have a huge impact. Yeah, me neither. But I do think the length of the stage of the climbs are going to have an impact. Yep, yep. All right, stage 18 is another flatter one. It potentially a sprint, but I imagine most people are going to be pretty tired and let let some crazy group of, you know, 20 guys who are an hour down on GC fight it out. Then we get into stage 19, which is really just... It just, it's mean, man. It starts off with these two Cat 4 climbs like it's a regular day, then hits them with a Cat 1 Col d'Aspin, then the Tourmalet with the Souvenir Jacques Godet, uh, then a Cat 2 climb, which is really part of a multi-summit multi, uh, stair-step climb to the Col d'Albisque, hat or category, 100k, 180k into the day, finishing once again with a 20k descent, 200 kilometers, Six categorized climbs is just rough this late in the race. Yeah, a good way to kind of close out the climber-friendly stages. And yeah, enough descents as well. I think that the guys like, you know, Vincenzo Nibali, Roman Bardet, guys who are talented descenders could take advantage of uh, going down just as well as going up. Interestingly enough, the final GC type day of the tour, not a mountain stage, but a time trial. Stage 20, a rolling 31-kilometer trip to Espelette. It's long enough to produce some pretty big gaps, I think, between the pure climber types and the TT specialists. I'm not big on putting this as the last GC stage, to be honest, but having a TT this late in the game, on the other hand, should definitely motivate the Quintanas, the Londas, the Bardes, you know, to be more active earlier in the race because they know that they have to get a lot of time because Chris Froome, Richie Port, some of these other guys are gonna they're gonna take a lot of time back in this final TT. Although I will say that the, there's a, you know, 900 meters at 10%, uh, kind of towards the end, 3K from the end of this climb. That's 
it's going to be tough. Like you can't come into that flat line like you're racing a flat 30k TT. It's true. It's true. So that could be a, a bit of a boon for the climber types. In any case, after the time trial, there's just the traditional 21st stage into Paris, uh, the Super Bowl of sprinting, if you will, where the GC guys will work very hard to make it to the final three kilometers, and then they'll let the fast finishers go to work. There you have it. That's the route of the 2018 Tour de France. Let's get a little deeper into the start list. So the contenders list, I think we can start off with the defending champion. If you're listening to the podcast, you probably have some idea of Chris Froome's talents and his exploits, his travails the past year or so. Uh, He's a four-time tour winner. He's the current defending champion at all three Grand Tours. One of the best climbers, one of the best time trials in the world, riding for the powerhouse Team Sky. You know, all of that said, He's up against a number of obstacles this time around. I, I wrote a little opinion piece for Velo News on Tuesday, uh, laying some of these obstacles out. And honestly, it's an opinion that, uh, judging from the feedback, uh, I, I, it was like the spiciest take I'd ever written. But I didn't even think it was all that spicy. I mean, Fil- filter for UK IP addresses. That's a good there. point. Yeah, yeah. And that's UK space IP, not UK IP. Uh, <laughs> right. International politics yes. joke. Uh, look, he's the bookie's favorite right now, but. In the past, you know, Froome has been getting, like in 2013, he was getting close to even odds to win the Tour. That's how things used to be for Froome. Nowadays, not as heavily favored as he was a few years ago, and there's a bunch of reasons for it. I mean, look, he's 33. He's coming off the Giro. Nobody's won the Tour after riding the Giro since Pantani did the double 20 years ago. He's under a ton of stress past nine months. And, you know, honestly, I think the field is pretty good. Definitely. I mean, it's the tour you get the strongest riders, uh, hopefully at their best. Uh, and let's, you know, looking at some of these rivals, I think the number one name up there has to be Nairo Quintana. Uh, did not have a great season last year attempting to do the thing that Froome is attempting to do this year with the Giro and the Tour. But, uh, you know, he's got a stacked team if they can ride together. And I think he's one of the few people who's really proven he can not only ride with Froome in the mountains, but can open up space from time to time, uh, whether that is due to fatigue or GC considerations or just being faster than Froome hasn't really been proven. But uh, I think he's the number one threat for sure. Yeah, totally agree. I'm, I'm willing to kind of wave off his, his uh, you know, less awesome year last season because the Giro Tour double is that hard. Uh, yeah, and, and the climbing ability, I think it's really going to come in handy in this tour. Not a whole lot of time trial mileage. I mean, there's the team time trial, and I don't think his team was all that bad at them. And then there's just that one final TT. So plenty of opportunities for Quintana to take time in the mountains, and he won't have to worry about losing too much, I wouldn't expect, because there's only one time trial. So it's only really one day for him to, to really go into defensive mode. He's also got two really strong teammates, Mikel Landa uh, and uh, Alejandro Valverde. Uh, Landa's about the same age as Quintana, but Valverde is really, really old uh, for a pro cyclist. Still very good. I'm, I'm kind of hoping... You know, Movistar can get it together and really, you know, really get 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 the sort of team organization we've seen from Sky. I think historically, Movistar has been really good at you know getting their their third and f- their last four or three guys kind of driving into the mountains, and then things fall apart a little bit. There's a, sort of a little who's the boss going on, 
Uh, if Quintana can come into this with form within the team and, and really get those other guys behind him 100%, I think we could see people you know, putting a hurt and kind of really threatening Sky's dominance in the climbs in this tour. And if not, it's at least going to be fun to watch. So there's that. Yes. Um, behind Quintana, I think it's like kind of option 1A behind Quintana and obviously behind Froome. Uh, Richie Port, for me, another guy that is a really close uh, contender here. Talent-wise, we know that Richie Port has all the talent in the world. He's, I think he's maybe the one rider in the world who who kind of matches Froome for the, the balance of climbing and time-trialing ability. Of course, the big knock on Port is that he never seems to put it all together for a grand tour. Something always seems to happen. But every year, I kind of think the same thing. Well, there's no real rational reason that Port should be any more susceptible uh, to punctures. Crashes, okay. There's a lot of downhill finishes Crashes, this year. maybe, yeah. Uh, but if he can keep the rubber on the road, Richie Port's got to be, you know, right up there with the very top favorites. And, and uh, this could be his year. Who knows? For sure. I mean, another another. this could be his year, uh, Roman Bardet of Ajay Desaire, a team that I once uh, wrote off over about a decade ago as the token French breakaway squad, really has stepped up in in building an actual GC team in recent years. And Bardet is sort of the tip of that spear. He's shown he can ride with these guys, you know, three days out of four and just needs to find that fourth day to really to really establish himself as a true GC contender, but also a decent descender. So uh this could play this play cork this parkour could play into his abilities. Yep, uh Vincenzo Nibali, another rider that I think is way up there on the list of contenders. I mean, mostly because of what he's done before. He hasn't really, I don't think, shown the kind of ability in a grand tour recently that earned him so many grand tour victories in his career. But at the same time, he's a proven winner, uh, and none of these other guys, to be honest, really are. And Vincenzo Nibali knows how to win a bike race. He did it earlier this year at Milano San Remo. Uh it's sort of a battle, I think, maybe against Father Time a little bit for Nibali, who isn't quite what he used to be. But with a lot of descending, this is a, a really nice tour, I think, for Vincenzo Nibali. A lot of guys seem to be into this whole Giro Tour thing. Uh, among them, Tom Dumoulin of Team Sunweb. Uh, we saw him almost win the uh, the Giro, definitely in contention until that that amazing day Froome had. Uh, I think he actually could have limited his losses to Froome by riding a little more cutthroat and a little more aggressively. But as we've seen in the past, Dumoulin is a guy who really, really wants to play by the rules, really wants to keep things close, friendly, good relationships. He rides hard, not a knock on him. But uh, I expect he'll be a little bit tired uh, after that that Giro performance. Yeah, pretty much all the same things we said about Froome and the Giro Tour double. It's, I mean, it's just hard. It's really hard. Uh, Rigoberto Aran not attempting the Giro Tour double. He's all in for the Tour de France this year. He was second last year, which sort of was sort of a revelatory performance after you know two or three years of kind of going quiet a little bit. And I think Rigoberto Aran definitely back and and you know EF really going all in as well for Rigoberto Aran at this Tour. He's sort of an inconsistent rider. He, he makes it tough for for prognosticators like us because sometimes. He seems like he's awesome, and other times he kind of disappears when you expect him to be good. But good Rigoberto Aran, I think, could really do some big things at this tour. Another guy who has is, is, is gotten some some buzz pre-race is Adam Yates. He is he's very similar to Simon Yates, uh, his teammate and and brother, twin brother. You know, we saw Simon Yates really perform well early on in the Giro. Uh, Adam was is a guy who's who. I don't know if you remember, but a, a gigantic uh, 1K to go banner fell on him when he was looking like he might ride himself into into the yellow jersey on a hilly day a few years back. He's a guy who's really going to thrive, I think, in this this chaotic early environment. He's got a strong TT team, 
He's got a strong team time trial team. Uh, I think he might end up with a jersey after that stage and defend it surprisingly well through the chaos of that those first nine stages. And then, you know, I, I don't think he's a guy who's going to explode and lose 30 minutes the first day in the mountains. We did see Simon Yates explode and use 30 minutes much later in the Giro. Uh, but Adam, you know, maybe coming into this race, looking at it with a, a, a different pair of eyes. And I think we could see him be extremely difficult to displace from the race lead if he gets into it. Yeah, I totally agree. I think he's a really dangerous young rider. Um, some of the other guys, uh, you know, the best of the rest conversation, Jakob Fulsong's always up there, it seems, at the Tour de France. Uh, you know, Primoz Roglic is a rider who's a real unknown, very, very talented, both in the time trial and as a climber, but nobody really knows what to expect from him in a three-week Grand Tour. Teammate uh, Stephen Kreuzweg, another guy there. Uh, Ilner Zakarin has done really well the last couple of years, and and I think he's sort of established himself as a fringe GC contender for the even, you know, the actual the podium of the Tour de France, so you got to watch out for him. Stan Martin, Maybe kind of going to lose some time in the time trials, but uh, I do expect him to be up there climbing very well. He has climbed pretty well the last uh, month or so. Balcom Mollema, Bob Jungles, Rafael Micah, uh, Warren Bargui, sort of a wild card. And then, you know, we, we didn't really talk about it much because it's just sort of a given that Sky's team is super strong. But there is if there is that chance, you know, that, that if Froome is just totally gassed after the Giro, he does have some teammates that could step up and suddenly be at the helm of probably the best team in the Belton, like Garen Thomas, Wout Pools. I mean, these are guys, Egan Bernal making his debut. These are guys that could suddenly find themselves in tour contention if anything were to happen to Froome. So plenty of options there, uh, even if it doesn't go as planned for Team Sky. Uh, that's pretty much, I think, a fair rundown of the of the main GC types for the Tour de France. A lot of great stage hunters to talk about as well. Yeah. We've got a new new sprinter on the block in Fernando Gaviria. Uh, I think this year there's really a a, a a change in the year because Marcel Kittel, Mark Cavendish, Andre Greipel, the three guys that have really dominated the sprints the last several tours, none of them has have looked as good as Fernando Gaviria so far this year. And uh, I think Gaviria really has a chance to make a very loud Tour de France debut in the sprints. We're going to find out pretty early because there are several sprints to start things off. That's going to be a storyline to watch is, is which of these guys really establishes himself as the Tour de France's uh, you know, top guy this year. Gaviria actually earlier in the year, I chatted with him at the Tour of California and he mentioned uh, his take on the, on the Tour de France sprint field. He said he doesn't think uh, any one rider is going to kind of establish himself as the dominant guy. Honestly, if I had to pick one to do so, though, I would pick Fernando Gaviria. Yeah, I mean, the team is here for him. He's been fast. I will say that Katusha is also bringing a very sprint-focused squad. So uh, Kittle will have plenty of support. I know that they've got Ian Boswell. He's a strong climber, but the rest of the team really seems built. You know, Zacharine's also a pretty good GC guy, but there is a lot of muscle uh, kind of in that lead-out train. Uh, Peter Sagan, he's, you know, despite not being that, that top, top tier flat sprinter, uh, is just a nasty bike rider across conditions. I am really looking forward to see what he does kind of after the team time trial. I could see him getting, I can see him in these classics-esque stages, getting into breakaways and working with, you know, GC guys who lost a minute or two in that team time trial, getting into little moves, kind of, you get this this strange combination of, of, of riders that you would never see, guys guys like Nibali or Dumoulin in a move with Sagan on cobbles. Like, that stuff is so exciting to me. And it, the fact that 
there's so many points not at the finish line up the road that there's just this tremendous incentive for a guy like Peter to really break this race up. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and then, of course, there are some other fast finishers there. I mean, Dylan Grunewagen, uh, Michael Matthews, Arno DeMar, uh, Alexander Kristoff, Sonny Corbelli is looks looking pretty good right now. Uh, any number of those guys could kind of step up at this race and, and, and really do some big things at the Tour de France. And then you got some of the more punchy riders who are going to kind of look for the intermediate stages. Julian Alaphilippe really leading the way in that department. I wouldn't be surprised to see him come away with uh, multiple stage victories at this mm. Tour de France. Quick step looking really well suited to taking some stage wins at the Tour. And uh, yeah, and then of course you just got basically pick a French pro continental team rider <laughs> um, on, on some of these breakaway days. Uh, that that That's where we're probably going to see a lot of that action. Uh, there are a number of days here for the stage hunters getting into the breaks. And um, there are always French riders up for the challenge. All right, I think we've done a fair job with the start list. Let's get to the meat, the heart, the big part of the show, and pick some pick some winners here. Uh, uh, I'm going to pick Chris Froome because, you know, Team Sky doesn't play around. They're, they're not like, oh, yeah, we'll race the Giro and the Tour because it's fun. Uh, my, my understanding of their operations is that they've got, you know, everything super detailed and laid out, and Chris Froome is – He's going to come into this fast. They're going to be prepared for these crazy stages. It's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. But Chris Froome in the past has shown that he is legitimately good at racing a bike, not just putting out watts versus his mass up mountains or being super aero. This is a guy who can find those moments when he has to close a gap, when he has to, you know, make an, make an, make an acceleration and, and gain 30 seconds here, or 15 seconds there. Uh, it will be tough. I think this will be his hardest tour, but I still think he's going to win it. Uh, I like Quintana in second. I think uh, as strong as his team is, I think they're going to be a little more susceptible to the chaos of the first week. I see him making it interesting in the mountains at the end. Uh, and I'm going to put Nibali in third. I know he is towards the end of his career, uh, but there's a lot in his favor here. That cobbled day, a lot of descending finishes in the mountains. Uh, yeah, that's my top three. I like it. Uh, I'm, I'm going to pick against Chris Froome in the Giro Tour double. I'm going with Naira Quintana for this one. I think the field is just too strong, whether it's Quintana or somebody else. I, I just can't see Froome pulling it off as great as he is. And I've picked him to win the Tour, I think, every year for the last five years. So this is, a, you know, I'm not I'm not saying this lightly. This is, this is a rider that I think is immensely talented. I just don't think this is a, a challenge that he can overcome, particularly given the field. I think Naira Quintana, it's his time. And if it's not Nairo's time, it's Richie Port's time. I think those two guys will present a serious challenge for Chris Froome, considering the parkour, considering you know what he has ridden so far this year. And I'm going to put Chris Froome down there in uh, the final step on the podium. I'm, I'm, I mean, I think he's certainly capable of a podium. He's capable of winning the thing for sure. But I just think Quintana, Port, and even some of these other guys in the field are just going to make it too hard for him. So... That's my podium, and hopefully uh, we'll see if I end up eating my words here in, in about three weeks. <laughs> so that's your Tour de France preview. Hopefully we've given a, a fair rundown to you know all the big contenders for the sprints and the GC, all the good stages that you need to be watching. I mean, you should honestly watch every stage. It's the Tour de France, but... Of course, you know, it, it's it's fair enough if you only end up watching uh, the, the big stages we've outlined. That's fine. That's what we're here for. Uh, it's going to be a good one. I think the storylines are myriad, a lot of good narratives here, whether whether you're talking sprints or GC. And it's a really nice route. I think it's it's going to really set up some good racing. Uh, I, I, I do like the, the mix of stages here, and I think it's going to make for... I don't know. I, I think there's a chance that we could actually be talking about some bike racing here for the next couple of weeks. 
uh, yeah. in, in a good way. So I'm pretty excited about it. Hope you have a chance to catch the biggest event on the cycling calendar. We will, of course, be covering the Tour de France from all angles. Uh, I'll be on the ground for uh, like the first half or so with Andy Hood. Editor Fred Dreyer is going to go over. He's going to handle the second half. You know, we're going to have uh, you know podcasts, interviews, articles, analysis, all kinds of good stuff coming out of the Tour de France. So, of course, stay tuned to VeloNews.com. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed. This has been The Recon Ride, the race preview show from the Velo News podcast. I'm Dane Cash. And I'm Cosmo Catalano. And that's our show.